0: Mormonism 101 for teens is a valuable resource for anyone wanting a simplified view of the Mormon religion from a Christian perspective. Mormonism 101 for teens is available at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore in Salt Lake City or MRM.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism.
1: So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday I was citing from an article in the July-August 2015 edition of LDS Living. This is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but it is a magazine for members of the church. But there was an article in this particular edition titled Temple Work for the Founding Fathers. And the reason why we wanted to visit this was to show that a lot of the things that were looked upon favorably in Mormonism in its early years are still looked upon as being favorable in modern times. The article talked about how President Wilford Woodruff, the fourth president of the Mormon Church, was visited in what's called a night vision, where the signers of the Declaration of Independence gathered around him, and as the article says, demanded that he have their temple work completed. He later said George Washington was also present in that request. Eric, you and I both have talked with Latter-day Saints, who look at being visited by someone who has died, as a positive encounter. And of course, as Bible-believing Christians, we certainly cannot find any Bible verses that encourages communication with the dead. We can find plenty that discourage communication with the dead. But in Mormonism, that certainly is looked upon as something that is positive. Though Woodruff felt that he was visited by the signers of the Declaration of Independence, as well as others, no doubt, This is not something that has been relegated to the 19th century understanding of Mormonism. In General Conference on April 2nd, 2016, in the General Priesthood Session, Russell M. Nelson gave a talk called The Price of Priesthood Power. And in this talk that he gave, he also tells the story of how he felt that he was visited by two young girls who had died during an operation that apparently he was performing. Now you have to understand that Russell M. Nelson was a heart surgeon. He is going to tell this story in a general conference message, what he calls a devastating experience that happened many years ago to him.
2: I related my devastating experience many years ago when, as a heart surgeon, I was not able to save the lives of two little sisters. With permission of their father, I would like to say more about that family. Congenital heart disease afflicted three children born to Ruth and Jimmy Hatfield. Their first son, Jimmy Jr., died without a definitive diagnosis. I entered the picture when the parents sought help for their two daughters, Laurel Ann and her younger sister, Kay I was heartbroken when both girls died following their operations. Understandably, Ruth and Jimmy were spiritually shattered. Over time, I learned that they harbored lingering resentment toward me and the church. For almost six decades, I have been haunted by this situation and have grieved for the Hatfields. I tried several times to establish contact with them without success. Then one night, last May, I was awakened by these two little girls from the other side of the veil. Though I did not see or hear them with my physical senses, I felt their presence. Spiritually, I heard their pleadings. Their message was brief and clear. Brother Nelson, we are not sealed to anyone. Can you help us? Soon thereafter, I learned that their mother had passed away, but their father and younger brother were still alive.
1: Now, the fact that he's telling this story, I think, makes it very clear that this, as we've said, is a positive experience within a Mormon context. He says, though I did not see or hear them with my physical senses, I felt their presence. Now, naturally, Russell M. Nelson, being a Latter-day Saint, being a prominent Latter-day Saint, certainly believes that this type of communication is not a negative thing. Right. So he hears this, although not physically. There is no audible voice. How do we analyze this? I would first of all say, as I've mentioned, he already has the presupposition that this is possible. Right. He already has the presupposition that this is a positive thing. Now, he's having what? It's not a physical sense that's happening with him, not an audible voice, nothing that he's seen empirically, nothing that he's touching, nothing that he's hearing empirically. Would this be like a visionary experience? I don't know if he would call it that. He doesn't use that word. But he feels that he is being told very similarly to what Wilfred Woodruff said in the 19th century when he felt he was approached by the signers of the Declaration of Independence. You see, folks, it's the same kind of experience between what happened with Wilford Woodruff and, I would assume, what happened with Russell M. Nelson.
2: The signers of the Declaration of Independence seem to be more forthright. We want this done now. This seems to be more of a request, but I think you're bringing out a good point as far as his psyche. His presupposition is that there is such work that can be done on behalf of the dead and the idea that it could be a positive experience. He's been haunted, he says in this uh, talk, by this episode, and we're not sure exactly was it his fault or not but the family held a grudge against him for many, many years, but he hears it spiritually one night last May. I have awakened at times in the middle of a night and thinking about a situation that might have happened five years, 10 years, 15 years previously, and it came back to me, but I don't attribute that to some kind of a spirit or somebody in my past coming back to me to come talk to me, but the way that he took it is this experience was the two little girls asking to be sealed to their family, and so he's going to act on it by working to have that family sealed to them.
1: In other words, he goes to sleep with these presuppositions, and it just happens that this particular night in May, this is what he experiences. Right. Again, we're going by his presuppositions and what he already believes, and I think A lot of people would probably agree with what you just said. Most of us have had experiences where we went to bed and we woke up to what we would call just a bad dream. But a Mormon doesn't see it that way. They tend to want to spiritualize a lot of things that most people would probably just shrug their shoulders at. But he really feels that these two young girls were pleading for him to do something. In fact, it says in the next paragraph, emboldened by the pleadings of Laurel Ann and Gay Lynn, I tried again to contact their father, who I learned was living with his son Sean. Mm -hmm. This time they were willing to meet with me. And we gather from what he says in the next paragraph that these two, this father, Jimmy, uh, who is now 88 years old, according to the article, and his son must be Latter-day Saints. They just weren't active as far as we understand. And so he's going to tell this story to them and convince them to get active so that they can go to a temple and be sealed. And he talks about how the spirit of the Lord was palpable throughout that meeting. And when Jimmy and Sean each accepted my offer, I was overjoyed. They worked diligently with their stake president, bishop, home teachers, and ward mission leader, as well as with young missionaries and a senior missionary couple. I had the profound privilege of sealing Ruth to Jimmy. That was Jimmy's wife who had passed away and their four children to them. Look at all the work that was involved in doing this. To seal the family together, look at all the work that is involved in getting that done. Is there an act of grace being described here? It doesn't sound like it to me because it was all on the part of Jimmy and Sean. If they did not do what the church told them to do, The daughter and the sisters would be in this case with Jimmy and Sean. They would never been sealed. See how important works are in the context of of Mormonism.
2: And the whole point of why we even bring this up is he has this experience that he considers to be a real experience, even though it doesn't happen with his physical senses. And what we see here is, I think, disturbing because it encourages the membership to have similar types of experiences. And again, as we said in yesterday's broadcast, we don't see anything in the Bible or the Book of Mormon, even if we wanna use that as a scripture that supports
1: the idea that we should be open to these types of encounters with the dead. This ties in with an article that was in the June, 2016 edition of Ensign. It was on page 78 titled Feeling the Spirit of the Temple. And it's a story that this woman tells her name is Kathy who lives in California. And she talks about how she took her granddaughter to the temple to touch it, to just touch the temple because children that age are not allowed to go inside the temple.
2: And that's something that Thomas Monson encouraged people to do in an article in the Ensign from March of 2004. So touching the temple is something that a lot of Latter-day Saints like to do as some kind of an experience they can receive from that.
1: In this article, it says, When it was time to leave, Stella, this is the young girl, was especially reluctant to go. We thought we understood why. She was having a great time in a beautiful setting and was undoubtedly feeling the same spirit we were. After getting her in the car and buckled up, we began to leave. I turned around and waved and said to Stella, Say bye-bye, Temple. She looked at the Temple, waved and said, Bye-bye, Temple. Bye-bye, Grandpa. And that's what makes this article unique. The young girl says, Goodbye to Grandpa. And what does the writer say in the next line?
2: I wasn't sure I had heard her correctly, but when I turned to Callie and saw her eyes fill with tears, I knew we had both heard the same thing.
1: Now, Callie is the daughter of this particular writer. Stella's grandfather, she says, my husband, Tim, had passed away four years before Stella was born. She certainly had seen pictures of him and heard the family talk about him, but he hadn't come up in our conversations that day.
2: And it goes on and says, when Tim passed away, we had only one grandchild. Now we had 12, and whenever I hold one of those precious new babies who so recently left our Heavenly Father's presence, I want to ask, did you get to meet your grandpa? What words of advice did he send you off with?
1: Now again, she's saying, I when I hold one of these precious new babies who so recently left our Heavenly Father's presence, and you have to understand, folks, in Mormonism, they believe that we all pre-existed in the presence of heavenly father and then at the appropriate time we come into mortality And all our memory, however, is wiped clean of what life was like in the pre-existence. So she's not saying that she's trying to pump information out of her little grandchildren to find out if they talked to grandpa before, but she does offer this as some kind of a notion in her head. I want to ask, did you get to meet your grandpa? What words of advice did he send you off with? Well, if they do give you advice, they're not supposed to, according to Mormonism, because you're not supposed to remember anything in the pre-existence. If a a child said, well, Grandpa said this, that, or the other, I would think even most Mormons would probably question that. The point I want to make with this, though, is she says, My testimony of the sacredness of temples was strengthened that day. In other words, she's taking something that is probably very harmless and very simple, and she's drawing this big, large spiritual conclusion, showing that communication with the dead is certainly likely in modern times in a Mormon context.
0: Pastor, Could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy-to-understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm dot org.